Hi there, it's Dickens Oliver here. Hope you're all keeping well. Well, uh, Natasha Kimani, Research and Media Program Lead at Africa No Filter, is on the pod. What attention do you give to the frequently remarkable stories of the African entrepreneurs who are succeeding against the odds? Do you routinely only use South Africa and Nigeria as your African country examples? How much attention are you giving to Mauritius, Botswana, ETC? Um, Has the role of women been given appropriate attention across your body of work? How many of your protagonist subjects and sources are women? So, uh, Natasha, it's great to have you on the podcast. I've been keenly following African Filter since its launch. And of course, I follow you on Twitter, so I'm very much uh, familiar with your work. So in fact, two weeks ago, I attended the initiative's uh, launch discussion about the latest research. Uh, and this is the Business in Africa Narrative Report. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is a, obviously a collaboration between African Filter and ACAS, uh, an international audience a strategy consultancy. But before the, before I get to the questions, I want to highlight uh, the work that went into this research. So the report analyzed over 750 million stories published between 2017 and 2021 uh, on more than 6,000 African news sites and 183 sites outside the continent. And this includes sentiment analysis on Twitter as, as well as academic uh, literature. So I guess my first question is, Why was this research important? I mean, it was important for many reasons, Dickens, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I think the first and uh, most prominent is that the African continental free trade area is the largest free trade area in the world with over 54 participating countries, but it only made up 1% of business news and analysis. And that worried us because if we were purporting or if governments are purporting to say that this was going to um, lift 30 million Africans out of extreme poverty and boost the incomes of nearly 68 million others, yet we had not heard a single thing about it, then was it either dead on arrival or was there a failure to communicate? And that led us to ask ourselves multiple questions. What are the existing frames and narratives about business in Africa and how then do they affect um, investment? So we sought out to investigate news and content about business in Africa and the impacts of the perceptions about Africa as a business and investment destination. We also wanted to identify information and news gaps that offer alternative framing for business in Africa. Okay, I mean, you've talked about significant frames there, and I think the report uh, kind of highlights seven. Could you just talk us through what they are briefly? We, we, we investigated seven frames, as you've mentioned. And the first frame, um, which is a bit worrying, is that there is more negative coverage about business in Africa, um, especially in international media. International media is more likely to cover negative frames, um, issues that impact on business in Africa, while African media are likely are twice as likely to reference corruption in their coverage of business in Africa. Number two, uh, foreign powers crumble for Africa. 70% of international coverage about business in Africa is dominated by references to powers like China, the USA, Russia, France, and the UK. And, you know, what do they think about Africa? How do they want to invest? Um, So often the conversation is skewed rather towards what they want from Africa, how they can benefit and necessarily and not necessarily about the importance of Africa and their voices in this space. 
Number two, uh, number three is Africa is two countries. And sometimes because I'm a Kenyan uh, Dickens, I will say three. <laughs> when we talk about business in Africa, we talk about South Africa, Nigeria, and Kenya. Um, and while we, we forget that there are other business stars that are shining and doing amazing things on the continent like Mauritius, Botswana, Seychelles, and Namibia who get little to no coverage and research attention. Number four, silencing creativity, amplifying technology. And again, um, you bear witness that despite Nollywood being the second largest film industry and the growing influence um, of Afrobeats and Amapiano, creative businesses were only featured in 1% of all articles across Africa and, and global media. Uh, number five, uh, youth and women are underrepresented, which is again, very sad because um, um, the coverage around youth and women has fallen to a measly 8.1% in news. Uh, government policy and regulations dominate conversation. Around 54% of business news in 2021 was framed through government action and policies. And we seem to concentrate a lot on government than those related to entrepreneur and than conversations related to entrepreneurship. Yet African countries make up to six of the top countries whose populations are most likely to search for the topic of entrepreneurship. Lastly, I think I've mentioned that is a missing free trade area and investment conversation. Um, and the reason, again, we focused on these frames, um, Dickens, is that stories and the perceptions they create are powerful. Stories and business in Africa and how they are framed directly impact individuals' motivation and desire to set up new businesses and trade with, invest in, or finance businesses. Okay. I mean, there, there will be prob probably a pushback uh, from, uh, you know, critics saying, you know, yes, we, you know, Africa definitely probably needs, uh, you know, positive stories. Uh, but then, you know, they kind of say that, um, you know, they just don't want to focus on changing the narrative and is missing uh, what is the reality. What would be your take on that? Well, I think Dickens, just with life, you know, we are complex and we have nuances. And I doubt that the only frame and conversation about Africa should be told through a negative lens, which robs Africans and Africa, um, especially Africans of our humanity and dignity because there are people doing businesses and amazing things on the continent. And we tend to focus more heavily towards the negative. Um, and, and that then leads to a resulting negative approach when it comes to engaging with Africans and, and their businesses and entrepreneurs a hesitancy that affects the impact overall of how people are doing business on the continent. So this is not us saying turn a blind eye and pretend everything is well with the world when it is not. This is us saying tell the story with the multiple layers that it deserves to be told in and through. Mm. I mean, you talked about AFCTA, which is obviously uh, a big deal uh, on the continent, but it, you know, it's more kind of like focusing on future benefits. Uh, yet there are many challenges today, which probably is why the media uh, on the continent, probably around the world, uh, are focused on business in Africa as, as it is today. So what, what would be 
kind of your uh, response to that? Dickens, I want to cheekily say that you can chew and walk at the same time. <laughs> we, can, we can be able to unpack many things at the same time. We can be able to address and speak about the current challenges that, by the way, if not addressed, could affect uh, the future of trade on the continent. But we can do that by also amplifying the possibilities of this particular trade and investment agreement and what it could mean, not just for governments, but especially entrepreneurs and people doing business on the continent. So yes, we are spotlighting the challenges, then how is this agreement then going to help us move from the rejection to the adoption scale? What are the benefits when it comes to development, funding, training and education, and, and moving away from economic uncertainty? Um, and these are things we are not investigating and having conversations about, because then again, this could be, um, it could fail on arrival because there's a lack of understanding how this could affect the everyday lives of Africans. And again, that's where policy and regulation fail when it's not translated to reflect our everyday lived experiences. So African Filters' previous research about how African media covers Africa was really fascinating. Uh, but one interesting point was that they get a significant amount of their content from Western news organizations. Is this any different when it comes to business news? Just to reference our report and our key findings is that um, a third of all coverage on Africa by African media was from non-African sources. For example, with AFP and BBC accounting for a quarter of these stories found in African outlets and other African uh, countries. And we found that African news agencies contributed minimally. So if a third of all coverage about Africa is from non-African sources, then it, it goes without saying that a majority of the coverage around business in Africa is also from non-African non sources. Also 63% of outlets that we surveyed didn't have correspondence in other African countries. Um, again, which leads to them um, focusing heavily on news that is gotten from um, international organizations, I mean, international news agencies. Um, and, and, and another hard fact is that 81% of the stories we analyzed are classified as hard news, conflict and crisis driven by events, and they were also largely political in nature. So with that and with the findings that we see, um, as a result, stories about Africa continue to be told through the same persistent and negative stereotypes and frames of poverty, disease, conflict, poor leadership, and corruption, which as ANF, we are not saying don't exist. We are just also pointing out, and I'd like to go back to African media Dickens, where it is grossly underfunded. So in as much as, and we engage with several um, uh, African news editors and, and news outlets, and the feedback was clear, revenue is a challenge. So while we want to go to these African countries, we can't afford it. So we do uh, what is best. So I think uh. as we even think about African stories, we need to explore as a community, what does it mean then for African news outlets to tell African stories? What do we need to do to build that capacity? Because it's one thing to just point fingers and say, hey, you're doing something wrong without mm -hmm. acknowledging the impediments and challenges that these uh, outlets and institutions are facing when it comes to the delivery of news. So there's that layer. There are very many layers to this story, but the resultant um, um, narratives are, are largely negative because of the many challenges here. And because we are relying on other sources who have 
their own agenda and own approach in telling news, we end up sort of bearing the brunt of this particular challenge. Okay, so which kind of gets me to the point where I'm, I'm curious about where you stand um, in this ongoing debate, and it's been going on for a long time, just about, you know, does the continent need an Af- Afrocentric uh, media organization uh, that kind of amplifies uh, the narratives that we are discussing today, be, not just uh, within the continent, but obviously uh, to have the heft that kind of uh, influences uh, global conversations about uh, the continent. Hmm. Um, I think, can I say yes and no? Let me try to be politically correct. I think there are very many layers mm-hmm. when it comes to narratives within Africa. Is one um, first having taking Africans as a whole from the rejection to the adoption scale and, and making us believe um, that there are very many ways to tell a story and there are very many nuances to a story. And we've seen it with uh, international media reporting about Ukraine, uh, Dickens, where uh, Ukrainians have been given dignity and their humanity has been amplified when stories are being told. So I, I, I think for me, it, 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 it's multi layered where I would say one, yes, there is need and space for African outlets to tell African stories from an Afrocentric approach, but also there is need for international media to ensure that there's some some level of diversity when it comes to telling stories. And we've spoken about that in our previous work as well. How are you telling stories? Are you ensuring that the voices um, whose lives are affected are actually reflected in the stories that you're telling? Are you speaking at them or are you ensuring that there's dignity when these stories are told? So I, it's not to say let's do away with international media and, 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 and not hear from them anymore. It's how can we coexist both as African outlets telling African stories with a nuanced approach, but also international media telling stories that ensure that our humanity and dignity is amplified, even as we investigate and tell these very difficult stories that are, Dickens, um, truth be told, a global challenge. Absolutely, absolutely. One thing that I was just thinking about while reading the report was kind of you know, you have the media, which obviously has its limitations, but then you also have a situation of these African institutions, which obviously are doing positive things, but sometimes the media strategy is more geared towards serving the international audience rather than African audience. I don't know whether that's something that you, you have seen. Obviously, it's not captured in the report. I just wanted to bring that in our conversation. I mean, absolutely, you're spot on. And also um, the challenge for of a lot of these institutions is that uh, media strategies are often very reactive. It's not something they've thought of in advance. So oftentimes they find themselves flat-footed when they realize, oh my God, there must there should have been a story to be told here. There should have been an approach to be told here, but we failed. Um, and, 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 and then instead of cost-correcting, we are now sort of, you know, when a, 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 a ship is leaking, we are now just plastering things to ensure that it doesn't completely sink. So I think just understanding the importance of the stories that we are telling is key to ensuring that one, that the truth is put out there, the truth that has very many nuances, because I think can actually fail Dickens, but we can also learn from that failure. So it's how a thing is reported, how a story is told for us to be able to see the different layers and things that went into place to getting the final product. 
but because often we are so afraid of how that thing will come out and and whose head or will we'll need to go on the chopping block we often end up finding ourselves using media as a weapon rather than a tool to sort of carve out beautifully the story we need to be told okay i mean last question uh let's talk solutions how do we create a more balanced narrative about business in africa in terms of reporting I mean, first, let me begin with, we need to take a step back and ask ourselves some questions. Um, and we uh, and we came up with some of them in the report, like as an organization, how are you telling these stories? What frames do you often focus on? And we had a list of questions that we listed for organizations to take themselves through. And we are actually in the process of even developing a course to work with organizations, media houses and development partners as well to ask some significant questions. What conversations normally dominate your news platforms? How are these stories do you tell? What attention do you give to the frequently remarkable stories of the African entrepreneurs who are succeeding against the odds? Do you routinely only use South Africa and Nigeria as your African country examples? How much attention are you giving to Mauritius, Botswana, ETC? Um, has the role of women been given at appropriate attention across your body of work? How many of your protagonist subjects and sources are women? And when it comes to the African continental free trade area, how much attention have you given to, the, to this, which many leading commentators consider to be the most important um, development um, in Africa in recent years, you know, how are you ensuring that you're focusing on the conversations that matter? Have you balanced any negative frames about business issues with legitimate positive frames? Do you, does your underlying narrative essentially highlight Africa's poverty dominated um, uh, uh, recent past or the potential for its future posterity, prosperity? These are some of the questions for us. We want organizations and media houses to begin asking. And another one, uh, Dickens, and I love that you have Africans on this particular podcast. Have you used African sources in your story? Have you used experts from African think tanks and academic institutions? Who's telling the stories? Who are you citing and referencing? Absolutely. That's uh, a lot to work with there. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much, Natasha. This has been great. My absolute pleasure, Dickens. Thank you so much for having us and, and hope to hear from you soon.